The horse is left, but close the barn doors anyway. It's Uncle Fez. Welcome to Uncle Says. We are a weekly podcast discussing living in China and what it's like to make YouTube videos while living abroad in China. Coming to you live to take live to take from lovely Whoop Woo Studios here in Luzhou, Sichuan, China. I am Emily, your host, and with me as always as Peter. Live to tape. Peter is live to tape, and tonight we're going to discuss. A bunch of stuff, but our big homeschool film school is what it's like to film outside in the public at large. Oh. Um, but first, let's get into it with a little How's Your Uncle? So I had a lot of appointments this week. I went to the doctor, the dentist, and the hairdresser. Um, I just went to the hairdresser a few hours ago. As you can see, everyone in the world who does not know how to deal with curly hair, which is most people, likes to blow dry my hair straight, so I usually end up getting some kind of this. Um, but I like it. I decided um, when I was a kid, I wanted the haircut that Kess had on Star Trek Voyager. And I couldn't do it because I, I would never master blow drying my hair straight, but I feel like this is a Kess haircut. Do you know who she was? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's that's what I want. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah. We'll have more about that haircut, actually, in next week's Uncle Foreigner video. If you're unfamiliar, Uncle Foreigner is where we place all our vlog videos, and here is where we talk about them. So, over on Uncle Foreigner, next week, we'll have some haircut-themed some silliness. Cast tips. Yeah, some tips for looking like your favorite Star Trek character. <laughs> uh, I also was looking quite Vulcan while they were in progress, um, which I was also pleased with. I always wanted to look like a Vulcan or a Romulan. Not racist. Yeah, well, it, <laughs> it depends how much rage you're suppressing, I think, <laughs> if you're Vulcan or Romulan. Um, but, and then I also went to the dentist because I chipped a tooth earlier this week, which was distressing. Um, but she, she took x-rays and she's like, it's fine. And so she was like, I didn't damage the root or anything. So she's like, you can, you can just go. And I'm like, you're not going to, it's all jagged and stuff. You're not going to do anything about it. So she sanded it down, but she didn't fill it in, which I feel like a, an American dentist would have given me some like fill. It's, in, it's the back of the tooth, so you can't see it, which is good, because I would have been more demanding if it was, like, cosmetically visible, because um, I'm shallow like that, I guess. Um, as it is, maybe I'll just go see a dentist in America this summer. Um, but it's interesting having that experience, and Chinese people will tell you this, too, that healthcare in China, they're not... They're not about preventative. They're about, like, are you dying? No, we stopped you from dying. Okay, be on your way. Um, which is a little bit frustrating, given that I'm used to a different standard of care. But I do also understand that's why Chinese healthcare is so much cheaper 
like it costs actually three dollars to go see the doctor. Three dollars American to go see a doctor, and then you know if you have tests and whatnot on top of that, it will cost more money. But like, the tests are not expensive either, um, for for me relative to my salary. Um, so I, I understand that it's somewhat of a trade-off, and I think, you know, it's maybe a little bit unfair that I can dabble in in this one healthcare system and then like anything I need to like I need to go home and check the work at like I'll go see an American doctor when I go back to America but you know it's keeping me keeping me alive <laughs> but yeah so it was just it's an interesting observation of like what is the standard of care and what is like what do Chinese people demand versus what I demand or expect um, and then so my dentist told because my coworker Catherine helped me make the appointment and then so the the dentist told Catherine later that my teeth were very clean and Catherine's like I think she flosses maybe and then she's like no it's cleaner than that these are like way way cleaner than other Chinese people um so she was wondering if I had someone like secretly cleaning my teeth or something and I just have I have good teeth it's genetic it's not fair um, I've always it's had good fair. teeth. No, I mean it's like it's not like I deserve it or anything. It's just I have good teeth. <laughs> but she noticed and she said that my teeth were cleaner than Chinese people's teeth. Um, which I'm not quite sure what to do with that, but I'm gonna take it. I'll take it. Are you gonna try and fight the best teeth in the business? Yeah, I mean I don't. I didn't have I, my teeth are crooked enough that they don't look. Like, I had braces because I didn't have braces, but not in a way that I think my sisters had teeth where it would have been pro they would have had problems if they didn't get their teeth straightened. So it's not like, I'm not winning any kind of best smile competition, unless You're I You're also am. not winning many favors with your sisters out in their teeth. <laughs> yeah, well now they have really straight <laughs> teeth, both of them, straighter than mine, but they had, they didn't like wearing braces. Um, it's not so. fair. I wouldn't. I wouldn't change places. <laughs> um, I got that. I got a Lauren Hutton kind of mini gap, <laughs> and she's a model. So exactly. <laughs> I'm a model. <laughs> you asked the dentist for that. Yeah. Can you can you just can, space them out? Give me a Lauren Hutton. Yeah, <laughs> she knew what I meant. <laughs> no, I'm just. I just, I would. I I feel like I have average teeth. But dentists have always told me that I have good yeah, teeth. They'll tell you different. <laughs> yeah, and well, I guess it's it's that I have I I have teeny crookedness, but I do not have cavities. So that's that's what matters to a dentist. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. And next week on things that matter to a dentist. <laughs> How do I look to a dentist? <laughs> Um, let's go on. Let's go on to homeschool, film school. Homeschool, film school. That's next. No, it's not. It's not. You're right. Conducting business is next. Oh, thank God. The business we want to conduct this week is kind of an extension of last week's conversation on branding. Um, Peter and I have been talking a lot about how we title our videos. And so the received YouTube wisdom is like pick pick a commonly searched phrase that's searched just the right amount 
so there's not enough competition, so you'll stick out, but that people are actually looking for it, which is an impossible thing to find and write something that sounds stylish and artsy and like a human wrote it. I mean, you end up with phrases that are just insane if you follow this advice, mm. we feel. And we've gotten to a point of that we're, we are getting seen. We have the metrics, we have the analytics in. People are coming to our channel. We're visible because of the promotion work Peter's doing on Reddit and social media, but then also just from within YouTube itself, we're getting seen and watched, and we have, we've we've attracted a couple of subscribers this week that we don't know where they came from, which is good news. That's, that's kind of... We've been working towards that as a... To show up anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. To, to not have to drive so hard into please watch our video and please subscribe to get to the point where some of it is just like doing its own work. So or that's, to please watch our video, please subscribe, but you can't see us, so our pleading doesn't matter. We've actually reached a place where we could plead so that maybe somebody might see us plead. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that we're showing up in front of people who we have not directly solicited, so that's yeah um, really helpful. And then so um, neither of us were super happy with the SEO-driven titling, oh. and so it was... And Peter actually is the one who's who's taken that lead. We had a big discussion last night about how, we're, given where we are and who we are, we don't have connections. We don't. We're millions of miles away from anyone in the entertainment industry, or we don't have. There's no like mixers in Lujo for aspiring filmmakers. <laughs> so all of our work is driven by our own online networking and and work whereas like in i think i talked about this before jerry saltz the art critic for the new york magazine wrote a pretty convincing argument that if you have if you have the right people around you you really only need 12 people and you went through who they like you're if you have a gallerist and just like a champion in your corner and a friend who has lots of rich friends like they're, they're 12 specific people but it's really only 12 and you can have like a decent you won't be famous but you can have a decent career in art um and we don't we don't have that so what we have is seo so we can show up in front of people um and i was kind of moaning i'll admit about like if we did have that, you as the artist could just be like, you don't, you wouldn't have to do any of that promotion work. You could have a guy who comes and is like, I wrote these two sentences for your bio. You just need to okay it. That's all I need from you. Eh, that's fine. It's fine. Mm -hmm. But, and then Peter pointed out that that he is that for me, <laughs> which is true. <laughs> um, but it is there. It is important to get your bio out there it is important to describe your work in a way that people want to look at it you're not afforded the luxury of the work just being the work until people actually know who you are and even then you still have to do that someone has to do that work and if you're starting out alone you know it's going to be you yeah um, you, you, you have like um, even mainstream tv shows comedians it, it, like it's painful to listen to like i've been listening to a lot of um ron funches Mm -hmm. who, in my mind, is a successful comedian. And I'm sure in his... And he's his been circles, on network TV. Yeah, he's, he's a huge 
huge star in the comedy world and and very successful as a respected person mm-hmm. in the field. And to listen to his podcast, he's like on a daily basis trying to justify two people in Hollywood that he is a star, he's a draw. If people are, are saying like, ah, we're gonna pass on your show. We're not sure. We don't really know if that's if if you're ready for it. And he's like, I could fill up an, any room anywhere <laughs> in the country. How could you possibly? I swear to you, ask anybody. <laughs> like it, it must just be brutal to. Yeah, yeah. At least we're nobody. I mean, yeah, we're yeah, nobody. we know that we're nobody. <laughs> <laughs> we don't even get refusals because we didn't get the meeting to start with. <laughs> yeah. Um, we didn't ask for the meeting even. Um. But as part of that, it's not like Peter likes so much. I mean, I think, I don't want to speak for you, but that that you are good at finding the phrase that kind of fits both what our video is about and what people are looking for. And so usually each week you'll bring me this phrase and be like, write, write a title out of this phrase and write a description based on that title. Um, I can do the research on it. And then, but as to what that actually means to what other people perceive, I mean, you can never be exact unless you follow the exact rules that our weird robot speak, which is the, the, the algorithm trying to figure out what a human is saying, which most humans type in like robots of like, uh, China, man fall down. Right, I'm, right. I'm, I'm not titling China Man Fall Down. Or yeah, whatever. yeah. Like it's, it's, it, it, there's, there's no art to it. <laughs> <laughs> but on that subject, that's where last night we kind of decided we don't have, we're getting enough traction where we don't have to play that game quite so severely. And in fact, that might actually help us to loosen up on the exactitude of a search phrase because our work isn't SEO friendly. No. And if you're looking for something specific, I mean, there's very little that you'd be looking for and that we'd show up and you'd be like, this is exactly what I was looking for. And like, we can't name well, we're everything. To surprise. Weird, weird, quirky girl. Yeah, we're. we're extemporary. Yeah. The, the kind of humor and the characters that we're creating are not something that you would. It doesn't do anybody good if we title something "People in China" funny. Right, it, it right, loses right. All it's right. funny if you have to actually put that it's funny. But then you could actually watch it and be this isn't funny because right. it's just so dry. So, I mean, what are you gonna call that? Right. Yeah. Dry. Dry absurdism by yeah. Americans. Uh, like, like we're not a library. <laughs> like we, we'll, Maybe you'd enjoy that, but you wouldn't search for that. That's yeah. the, that's the whole. The, the key frustration is like you might enjoy us but you'd never search right. for us and then it, the other side is that if you actually did go down that road of uh, uh, weird quirk or quirky abstract oblong whatever kind of strange word you're going <laughs> to get you're going to get people have already used up that word in the most boring stuff like weird is like man opens soda strangely or something like yeah, that. It's yeah. the most banal, boring thing. Yeah. And somebody's already used or, all the I mean, most of YouTube is just people falling over. Yeah. <laughs> it's all going to lead back to falling over. But so anyway, last night we, we hit upon, 
We want the title to match our video flavor more accurately because it is also we're, we've been going after the China vlog market, but the China vlog market is very straightforward. People telling you kind of a how to live in China or people just giving you their straight opinion of what life in China is like. And so we've been gathering some of those videos who have, as we get like a little more weird, are like enjoying it but tentative about what they're watching. And so I think, we think selling it on something straightforward we want you to know by the title that you're going to be watching something a little off. Yeah, we can't. We can't. I think particularly because, because if we attract an audience who wants, who's expecting a straight shooting, straightforward, whatever, they're going to be disappointed by by just our turn into just what, what, by calling ourselves China Vlog. Mm -hmm. Naturally, assumes that we're going to be. We got some drones, and we're going to show you some shots of the Yangtze River from above, and we might like, you know, do a funny joke with a Chinese person in the street. Uh, we'll show you our apartment. There's a whole bunch of tropes that you would expect out of I'm an expat living yeah, in a certain yeah. area. I'm sure it's the same for all the different countries too. So if when you get there, and there isn't just like somebody saying like, here's how you set up how to get uh, a, a bank account, here's how you go to the doctor, here's what you do on your first day of classes if you're an ESL teacher. Like yeah, That's yeah. all people expect. So when, people, when we show up and we're a little bit kind of making fun of that scenario, mm -hmm. people just think we're really strange and off the wall. Yeah. And we, we're doing a bad job at describing how do I become right, an ESL right. teacher. Right, right. There's a fine line between like joking around and just being bad at it something yeah. <laughs> and so we wanted a, a title that made it more clear that we are joking around and so what the phrase we came up with was two clueless foreigners um, we went through a lot of iterations but lifestyles of two clueless foreigners that's what it is yeah so clueless foreigners is specific to us because we even like a clueless foreigner or no article indefinite or mm -hmm. not um but then we figured that because there are two of us in the video two clueless foreigners make it specific that we're only talking about us we have nothing to say about the class of foreigner in general right because at what point like are we we we, we don't really need to be uh attacking other people because they do a normal expat vlog video because people want those videos and yeah so, yeah 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 I mean, I wish when we moved here that there was anybody that was telling us yeah. of ways of how do I fix a bank account and what to expect the first day of class. Yeah. So those are helpful things, and they're, they serve a different purpose. Yeah, well, so we, we, we want to be more to be, clear about what our purpose is. Yeah, and our purpose being that we're like, so you've been here for a while, and you, you're used to these scenarios, but I mean, you know, there's not a lot of people that are here that are know what we're talking about yeah in that sense so they might be just like why are you just being weird like yeah we've it's been the question of my whole life <laughs> right so, like it's not weird to us yeah it's just everyday life is just a little bit off yeah and so we're hoping and you know this was just we put it up live last night so we'll see we'll see if that helps mm. um 
We'll see if that the other attracts side. more of the audience that we're going after. We'll see if that bothers people less that we set them up for something that we're not really delivering on. Um, and on the other side of that is uh, the, the, the other campaign of naming things is just to... Well, we have the real China Vlogs is what we have linked into our algorithm that attracts anything to us at all. So leaving that as our, our tag that that will attract it. And then the top, the front half is just our human weirdness. So like yeah. it is, where are your children? Mm-hmm. Slash the China, real China Vlogs. Yeah. That's basis of what we what we want to call well actually what we want to just call is where are your children and walk away yeah but, but we're, we're not popular right, enough so, for that <laughs> so by putting other things in like two clueless vloggers is something mm. that we're like testing out to see yeah so that's a this is a work in progress but we'll we'll see if that does anything for us yeah. and also kind of with that are so commenting responding to comments is supposed to be super important uh, on YouTube. As soon as you put up a video, you you are the best practices are put up your video and then wait. And as soon as anyone starts to do any kind of, you know, presumably if you have like thousands of subscribers, you might get ten or twelve like immediately, like however long it takes the video. Actually, a lot of people before the video is even you, it's only been up for five minutes and it's ten minutes long and I've got twelve people to answer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something's weird, <clears throat> but. Um, and I can... To, to be ready to, like, instantly say, give them a heart and say, you've done a great job answering me. Yeah, and the, and I can see, like, yeah, that builds, that's the social media aspect of what YouTube is, that builds channel loyalty, that builds a sense of community. Um, Thank you for your like. That all makes sense, but, like, I don't even answer email from people I know. Just not, yeah. not... General misanthropy, I guess. <laughs> it's not a dislike. It's not that I dislike the people. It's just I don't like talking, um, which is ironic. Talking for an hour and a half every week about the work that we do. But oh, in general, I, just, I like. I don't like. I don't like. I don't like it. So it is. And then there's a conflict between like the persona we're trying to build and the work we're trying to to support a point of view of is one that's more ambiguous, less explainy, more experiential, impressionistic. And then in the comments, I'm always very tempted, especially in matters of where there might be cross-cultural misunderstandings, is to, to separate the commenting Hello Foreigner from the video Hello Foreigner and, like, drop the mask and just, like, okay, real person here. Here's what's going on. But today we were talking about a strategy of not doing that because that's been my successful fight. As I feel like it's it's more interesting to write from that perspective of not like facts, 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 but um, this this dreamlike absurd world that we're trying to build to answer the comments in that same mode builds. And not only, like, I don't have to explain myself to anyone then, but it is also, it builds out this, the world of Uncle Foreigner is just a weirdo. And I think, you know, it takes some guts. It takes some guts to ignore when someone 
says something factually incorrect or implies that I don't know what I'm talking about because I know what I'm talking about. And for me, that's really hard. But then I think of like successful internet, and this is a, a part of the internet being somewhat famous but still also somewhat anonymous is that like the the things that I really appreciate are where someone has made a complete world and there's not a behind the scenes where that person drops the facade and like well what I was doing was blah 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 blah, blah. um which you know will never be wholly true for us because we're gonna have hello uncle foreigner uncle says explaining Explaining the art. <laughs> but uh, on the channel, at least, Hello Foreigner can always be a nervous giraffe. Or any other characters that you yeah, create. Yeah, yeah, And I think answering in character is more work because then it's like actual writing rather than just like spewing out what yeah. I feel. <laughs> well, you have like so much of what's popular on YouTube is some kind of. Uh, uh, critiquing or talk show or mm -hmm. something where you're supposed to, or even like blogs, are, I'm putting out there into the world what I'm thinking, and then... In an authentic manner. Yeah. Authenticity is, like, huge. Yeah, and therefore that invites everybody, even asking your, your viewers, please tell me, what should I make my next video? I can't think of anything else. It's it that engagement invites other people to to say like you know actually that thing that you saw that I saw in your video you did this uh, what mm -hmm. you should know is that when people do that they do this when people are doing that to us it's it's tough because we're creating characters that are deliberately making these we've written these pieces to be. A certain way. So when someone tells us you should be doing that, you're 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 telling us the joke that we made. Right. So <laughs> so to 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 respond to those, we need to stay in character. Yeah. As as, yeah. as if you're talking to that character, not to me, not to the person you who has written that character to say a thing, because you already know. Otherwise, you wouldn't have written. So it's this, the 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 culture of what it happens on YouTube is to tell you what you have done right or done wrong. Right, and that, that the social media aspect itself can be part of the work, can be part of the performance. Mm. But for that to be true, I have to let go of my fear that it's well documented here that people have misunderstood me or don't totally get it. Like, mm. But committing to the bit that they didn't get, I think, is ultimately for more audience, more powerful. Like maybe this mm -hmm. one person didn't get it, but the person, a person who did get it reads the comments and is like, oh, they doubled down, that's even better. Mm -hmm. um, so that's that's something we're gonna try out. It's um, always stay in character. <laughs> yeah. Unless where you're on Uncle Says. Yeah, and that's, cause I, do, I like talking about our work, I don't mind, like it's not like that, ruins the art for me. I mm. like talking about it, but what I, I don't... If you're not doing commensurate work to kind of put yourself in a place where you can understand what we're doing, 
I don't like them like having to handhold you and like step you through. Like the reason I'm talking in that voice is because I'm not serious. Yeah, when you know, it's funny. Like um, when you say like a uh, like a show like um, what are the uh, the Brooklyn Girls who show that just ended? Um, uh, Broad City. Broad City. Yeah. They have such a wonderful show that we really love, but then you've got. Were they on HBO or somebody? Whoever the network is that they're two dope queens. No. No. You just said Broad City. Broad City, still Broad City. Whatever, whatever. Oh, Comedy Central. Comedy Central. They the network tends to have these things at the end of like, well, let's have them the real people, the creators on afterwards. Oh yeah, HBO has been doing a lot of that too. Yeah, yeah. Like, but you just watch the show. Now here's the behind the scenes of that show. Right, Last OG is doing it, and it really ruins the whole process because you're not. This is not an in depth conversation. This is a, a like three minutes tagged on at the end of a show that you just enjoyed, and then they tell you like some really boring story that is not. I mean, it would be great if they told you how they set up the lights or that day when shooting that they had to shut off all city street or something. Yeah. But what they're telling you is like it's so funny when I wrote that, like because I was thinking about writing it and then it was written and then that's great. Tune in next week and yeah, it which just it ruins the whole magic of the thing. I think is a response to social media. Yeah. It is that like, oh, you should feel close with this creator. They're almost your friend in real life. Keep yeah. watching our show, please. Yeah, if you really want want that kind of magic, try watching a Tim Burton movie DVD and listen to his commentary, which is just like him watching the movie and every once in a while going, oh, <laughs> I remember that time that I put a hat on. And it's just, yeah. I, I, the entire movie is useless. Or Spike Lee is one of the best commentary oh, yeah. guys in the business. I mean, he's a great filmmaker and he, as... I think being a great filmmaker, but also his time as being a film professor at NYU, mm-hmm. he can talk about the way he makes movies in a way that really is like it's another, edu- is educational. It's another movie. It's, you, yeah, it's, you watch a Spike Lee movie, turn it over if it was an album, and watch it again. Yeah, I did. I did that with Twenty Fifth Hour. I watched the movie and then I watched it straight through again with his commentary. It was so good. He's, yeah, he's really. The, so, I, yeah, I would not... And not you ever, can't come out categorically against that kind of... Mm-hmm. I'm behind the scenes. But the way that it's being employed as, like, a cutesy... You're you're in on the joke. You're friends with the creator. Right. Like, while not at the same time not actually providing any real insight is well, and irritating. The, the, I mean, I would say that's our inspiration. Not to say that we're anywhere near the idea of my button is not working. The idea of... Um, that we're on any level near Spike Lee. Oh, but, yeah. <laughs> but this that we're doing is we make a video and then we talk about it here on Uncle Says. Like, if we ended our videos with a behind-the-scenes where the two of us just sat there and talked about, like, remember in the video when you watched, like, three minutes ago? Yeah. Like, yeah. that would be terrible, especially if we had nothing to say. Well, and I think, I mean, Spike Lee has stuff to teach all of us. Um Whereas we're we're not aiming to teach anything, mm-hmm. we're more kind of processing our work as we go along. And so that we can learn. Because the, the discu- these are we have discussions like this all week, and now now it's just like, hey, stop talking about it. We'll talk about it. I'll write it down. We'll talk about it during the live stream. Um, but we enjoy this kind of processing our work, and then maybe there's something 
for other people to get out of it as well. Um, yeah, us, us, us doing this is us learning so that we can apply that. Yeah, and then the so we're video. just documenting our learning purpose, learning <laughs> pro process. Um, Keep continuing. My button's not working. Okay, because um, <laughs> I think. That's it. Then we'll move oh, on no. to. Oh no, my button's not working. You're supposed to keep talking. Oh, this is live. Live shooting live. at its best. <laughs> keep talking. I, I, I'm sick. It don't stop. For God's sake, don't stop. It's a crisis. I'm totally struck dumb. Um, I'm back. You're back. Right, oh thank goodness. Uh, can we move on to homeschool? Homeschool? No. Yes. So to get homeschool film schoolier, we wanted to talk about, because we've been doing this more and more, first with the wheelchair, going outside and filming. So that was just filming scenery, and now we've started filming actual segments out in public, which has been a fun and interesting process. Um, for one thing, it was interesting. So in this week's video, Where Are Your Children? We have a couple segments where I'm outside. Some are in the draft costume and some are not in the draft costume. And interestingly, and small, this is too small a sample size to draw any conclusions from, but when I was wearing my normal clothes, we got interrupted a lot more. And when I was wearing the draft suit, um, people still were looking at us, but they didn't approach us. And I don't know if it was because they could see, like, obviously we're in the middle of something, or it's just too weird to talk to someone in a draft costume. Um, like, we saw... So we were filming on the grounds of our apartment complex, um, and so a lot of our neighbors were out there. And so some of them have seen us around, even. And one of my student walked by, and we were in the middle of filming a segment, and I heard kind of out of the corner of my ear, um, someone saying, teacher, I'm going, teacher, I'm going, but I was pretty focused on what I was doing. And I think, you know, if I was wearing normal clothes, they might not have gotten, we've had several times where we have the camera running and people are like, walk right into the shot because they don't understand that we're filming something. Um, but I think with the costume on, Mom could see we were doing something, um, and so she held her ba her kid back until we called cut, and then they were then they were like flagged down my attention, and I was oh oh hi, you've caught me in a giraffe suit. <laughs> um, well, my theory is that they they it is you are the teacher, and it's probably that you're filming something maybe for class like. Watch, she might yeah, show you could, a video be, of her in a giraffe be. suit at some point. Yeah. <laughs> but I think to talk generally about the challenges of filming outside, there is like, you, it takes some guts to do even relatively normal things like walk down a street and maybe you're narrating to yourself, but like, I can feel eyes on me and then I just have to block them out and and I mean the key to it is just do it people are gonna look at you because you're doing a showy thing um, and the sillier it gets actually the easier for me it is to kind of commit to that because mm. um, I have if I'm just doing something mildly weird like maybe you just think I'm a weirdo but if I'm doing something obviously weird I feel like people 
And I could be totally off, but this is the justification I give to myself to be able to do this. Is like, they can see that something's going on. So you're doing a thing, and not like you, you're, you go home and and hang off the ceiling or I don't know. I don't know what weird people would do. <laughs> not weird enough to know about yeah. that. Um, but so from my perspective as a performer, it is always um, a little bit challenging. But I kind of like. It has to be, I want the shot, so we have to do it. And that's that's what motivates me to, to do these things. Um, and I don't know, is there anything from the filming perspective that you feel? Oh, anything that, anytime you're doing anything in public that's not normal. Um, I, I'm, I see a lot of people that, it's one thing I think, just to go back with like being in China, at least here you're always being looked at. So to some extent, to push it further into doing something like talking to your phone mm-hmm. or filming something, it's weird, but you're already being looked at. So it's an extra level of weird that now you don't care about and then mm-hmm. go extra weird and get in a suit and at some point it just wraps itself back around to being normal. If you're walking around, you know, New York City and you're doing it, then you've got the the very, because you're, because everyone can hear you and understand what you're saying, they're like, ugh, there's another vlogger. Like, there's that, but then there's also like, in New York City specifically, there's a film project around every corner, so yeah. why not you too? Right. I would imagine... I just use New York City because that's where we're from. But yeah. if it was, you know, some small town and you saw yeah, somebody yeah. walking around, you would be like, what are they doing? I mean, that seems weirder to me than being in China because, first of all, everyone <laughs> is on the phone here anyways. So yeah. whoever you're talking to, but you're probably also, like, filming something to show your parents or your family or your friends back home. That's so what I say if people... Because sometimes people ask me, what are you doing? And I... Uh, well, I'm taking some video to show my friends and family back home what Lujo is like. It's the easiest yeah. thing to say. And usually, usually they like that as an answer. Yeah. Um, so so I, I, I would think... And it's actually rare, I think, that people actually come up and question, like, what are you doing? Mm. Some Like, sometimes in a curious way, they're like, oh, you're filming. Okay, that's cool. But, like, I've only had, like, once or twice someone be like, What? Well, being a foreigner here, even if people know that you're a, a local foreigner to Joe, there's it's still like, of course you're taking pictures. I mean, there's people that live here in the city that are taking pictures of the city. So if you being a foreigner, like, they yeah. don't know if you're here for a day or if you've been here for eight years, they're figuring mm-hmm. you're probably taking pictures. You want to get a picture of me with this? I, like, right. <laughs> it's, it's, it's all part of the, the, are you a tourist? I mean, I think that's one of the things that... that us foreigners have is if you're here for any amount of time you're like quickly like I'm not a tourist I live here and then you get some kind of offense to that of like I, I, I'm I fully don't treat me like I'm a tourist yeah you, yeah yeah your pride is wounded yeah yeah but yeah so from a from a performance acts aspect it's a little bit difficult. You can feel people watching and you can feel like you're doing something weird. But it's worth it because it's we put ourselves in the path of we want actual China in the background, 
we're going for a kind of cinema verite of even even I think with those written pieces that are outside, we want to situate you in our actual city and, and Lujo has great scenery. And then from a technical standpoint, um we have we have the gear to like set up a tripod and, and we're cool. Mm-hmm. Um the lighting Lujo has a very, I mean, it's like overcast every day if it's not raining. It's very rare that it's just like straight sun. But that diffuse light actually looks pretty good on video, so we kind of lucked out of that. Um, The one challenge that we're facing as we're kind of expanding our repertoire of, of, you know, we have in-studio, outside, voiceover, da-da-da-da, is consistency of sound is really hard to maintain. Um, Because of using different equipment. Yeah, yeah. So now that Peter's in the video, and at different equipment and in different situations, like in the studio, we have pretty tight control over what sounds. I mean, there's still like if our neighbors are doing construction, that sounds gonna bleed through. But like we can close up all the doors and windows, and the traffic noises go away somewhat. And so the 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 it's a fairly controlled atmosphere, sound atmosphere inside. So the fact that now that Peter is in the videos, in studio, we're still usually shooting us one at a time. And so we have the one recorder that's good. And then if we have two of us, we record into a cell phone using a voice recorder app, which is not ideal. It's not ideal because the app is not that great. But then, like, you have two different sound... You have two different devices, so the sound is just going to be inconsistent. And we have really cheap microphones. Yeah, yeah. So that's it's. We're kind of straining the limits of again, like the bottom barrel. <laughs> um, and then, like, so the shoot for where are your children? We had like situations where Peter and I were talking together, and then we had a situation. Where it's just me and I'm using the good recorder and then it's just me and I'm using the bad recorder because I'm jumping around. And so that's really, and I don't want to point this out and have you listen and not be able to unhear it. But like (laughs) when I was listening to the final sound mastering, like it really, it didn't sound like, oh, don't put this out. But it was like striking to me like, oh, yeah. Maybe we need better microphones. <laughs> and it's because of the, the both, like, the two different recordings and just, like, that the outside sound is so challenging to account for, well, I, yeah, notori- I would say. Notoriously, China is a very loud country. And it, there's different kinds of loud in different kinds of atmosphere, whether it's construction yeah, or yeah. it's a always, crowd. Always. Like, there's always some kind of different timber of like whether it's the din of a loud room a loud large room that just echoes or is it like actual pounding or is it traffic there's a there's a different audio scape that everything lives in and our tiny little guys like as soon as we get we can dial in like this is the best way and then all of a sudden it's cicada seizing and and it's just everything is and it changes the frequency so pinpointing it with bad equipment yeah. To every scenario yeah. is like really it's a guessing game a lot of times. Right. So again, your your point of your break point is going to be your microphones um, to whether you you look and sound professional or not. Um, you got to hear what's going on. Because out outdoor filming just looks really good. 
Um, and then it's exciting because you can have all this movement around you that you don't Especially have Especially like when you're in, a, in this scenario of a different, a different, different country. Like mm -hmm. us being expats in our apartment is not interesting to look at at yeah, all. So yeah, yeah. And even we use the green screen to kind of get around... Bad days or... Yeah. Uh, or the fact that if we didn't have a green screen, you'd just be looking at a, a, a mattress is what we used before because yeah. <laughs> that had something of an interesting pattern to it. But, like, to give you something visually interesting to look at. But there's only so many, like, stroll-throughs or weird abstract images that we want to put. And sometimes it is nice to get something happening live in, in situ, um, like... So, like, we have the outdoor conversations, and we'll talk a little bit more about that when we talk about that video specifically. But then also stuff like if we're, if Peter and I are out at a place and something happens, well, let's just don't, we don't need to digest that and, like, give you a pithy two-liner in a draft suit. Let's just talk about what's happening as it's happening, and that can kind of give an immediacy to the work that, um... The, I mean, and by design, the giraffe is is somewhat removed and mm. somewhat, I don't know, sterile is the right word, but there is like, the giraffe is holding you at a distance and you're in obviously a fake studio set, whereas if we sh are showing you something live happening, that gives, that's a more inviting. That's a more. <laughs> that's more <laughs> inviting and, and, and inclusive of the viewer. And so to have both of those tools to play with has been a, a new opening up. Right, and for us. to get back to the idea of of having different kind of um, characters, um, it makes it difficult because the situation is always changing, mm -hmm. and we're changing, and we might be changing what kind of character. Is it really just us on the street that saw a thing? We're like, quick, get that, mm -hmm. or is it? That's what the giraffe is for, is to try and make some kind of sense out of, like, here's something that happens in, under these conditions, and here's something that, that happens in another. And we realize that that's part of the problem of, like, trying to pin down for people, like, what am I watching? Are, are these people schizophrenic? Yeah. Or is, like, the, the idea of a variety thing. But the thing is that... We don't want to stop that because that's what interests us is trying to figure out different ways to tell different stories so that it's always doing something new that we're learning from. And hopefully, like, I mean, if we just chose that this is what we do is if it was just me sitting here and I just told you, so this week in China, like that would get boring for me, probably yeah. for you. Yeah. In a, a short amount of time, so we're trying to figure out like, what if we take the camera here? What if we take it over there? What if we do something different? But that's very confusing, apparently, to many people that are <laughs> used to watching how you know different mediums train them to watch. Right, right, yeah, that, that's a perfect way to put it. I was gonna say, um, yeah, media needs to give you instruction on how it is to be consumed. If it and. There are people who enjoy, like, more abstract experimental things where you as the viewer have to figure out how to engage with the the piece, but that's, we're not quite pushing it that far. Yeah. Like, we we do want to be somewhat conventional we're not a on that. Adventure. Yeah, yeah, and I think, I think once people get it, again, it's that flavor of Sesame Street of, like, you have the familiar characters, 
the the characters are all me, <laughs> but that there are there's different voices and different emotions to each scene. Yeah, and it's not so it's not it's this. not like you're just like oh yeah 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 none of this is original to us. But that also in that if our video is going to be ten minutes long, it's not just ten minutes of of one thing. Mm. There and and. I feel like it greater represents the multiplicity that lives inside each one of us. <laughs> like the experience of being a person is not the same all the time. Mm. And so to have all these multiple situations and these multiple characters and these multiple um, feelings right. to each Which scene. Which is exactly the opposite of what like all these YouTube coach people tell you to do is uh, you, I should always wear this black shirt. I should always have these books behind me. You should always see Black Panther right here. And I should never deviate and wear a different shirt. Or I shouldn't wear a hat because you see me with this hair. And that's how my thumbnails should look. And I should title them the same way every time. But at the same time, I'm supposed to give you like... And this week, Game of Thrones. Right, this week, right. the NFL. The, this week, it, it, but visually, I can't tell the difference. Which I think is partially in response to the fact that the way people consume media now is not with their full attention. Yeah. So if they're not fully, if they're only looking with one eye at you, like you have to look the same as you always have, or they're not going to recognize mm -hmm. that they're with you. Right. Which right. is frustrating. Yeah, especially if you want to write characters and write situations. If we're changing, if we have an eight-minute video and we change the scenario eight different times, possibly even more, that means as soon as you turn on a video, you're used to like, all right, so that's the that's the picture that I'm going to look at for the next eight minutes. I don't like it. But right. We're going to change eight or nine times after that. And so, you know, you're not only you're not giving it a shot, mm -hmm. and I mean, this isn't just us. I, I hear creators all over YouTube and probably into the mainstream networks that I think even filmmakers that, are very frustrated that you can watch their film in a crowded restaurant with headphones on your phone. Like, mm -hmm. that's... I shot that in 35 millimeter. That's not how it's... That's not even the right aspect ratio. Right. How, and, how are you going to watch Game of Thrones in with a thousand million orcs and whatever fighting dragons in the sky when it's all this big. Like, I can't see anything. <laughs> it's, it's completely dark. <laughs> yeah, it's black anyway. Why not just listen to it? Yeah, and there I did read an interview with some, not Laurent Bouchard himself, but someone who works with him. Who worked with him. He is a creator of, way back, a cartoon called Home Movies, but now he writes Bob's Burgers. And that his screenwriting theory is actually the opposite of show, don't tell, which is the screenwriter's maxim. His is, you should be able to follow the action even if you're only listening because maybe our audience is doing the dishes or maybe our audience is, you know, I want, to I want you to get a story even if you're only half paying attention. And I think, you know, that's, sometimes that's the right choice is to accommodate the attention economy that we live in, and sometimes your artistic vision can't be compromised. <laughs> yeah. And I, I feel... I've so much information into these two minutes. If yeah. you're not paying attention, you've, you've missed 75% of my point. Yeah, yeah. And, and personally, for us, um, we're hoping that our audience educates itself or that we can educate the audience to maybe even watch a couple times because we're... 
we're really excited about the density of information that we're being able to cram into each episode. Um, well, but I understand the reality is that, like, phones. Phone is the reality. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I because I do the same thing. I have a numerous... Sometimes I find myself, I'm editing something and... Because it, maybe I've taken the attention, like I'm not doing sound. Or sometimes I'm even doing sound. Whatever it is, I'm doing one project, but I might be checking my email at the same time and multitasking things. And I'm listening to somebody's podcast and I'm watching somebody's video at the same time. And it's because those are all safe areas that I know of. Like this podcast, they're going to be doing this and for the next five minutes they're going to talk about some kind of recommendations. I don't care about that. Over here I'm looking at a picture of this is a guy that went to Tibet, and I'm looking at the Tibet, but uh, like meanwhile, I'm checking down at my bit rate of how things are rendering. Mm -hmm. So I understand that, that you're, you're, you're scattered in the amount of media that you're intaking. So the idea of us being like, did you notice that guy in the back of our video? Is absurd. Like, of yeah. course, somebody, somebody was getting on a bus when they were watching us. Yeah. But we're dying for that. Yeah. That that one. That one. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, some people do. Some people. Uh, yeah. That's that's when I I've just decided right now. Like <laughs> I think yeah, it's a valid choice to accommodate the fact that people aren't paying attention. But I think my response is to make something good enough that people close the other windows. Mm -hmm. And like, I mean, for example, again, we both do this. <laughs> I'll share with you some of my skin secrets. I sometimes, once a weekish, um, boil some water and steam my face to open my pores. And we put on Will and Grace in the background because I'm not, I can't watch it. And we're, we like the idea of the legacy of that show, but it's kind of bad. bad. It's a little bit broad. So it is something like if we put it on, I can like put a towel over my head and steam my face off. Um, then I can do anything else. Yeah, and that, so that's usually sorry, sorry, Will and Grace guys, <laughs> but that's <laughs> what we're doing. Fine but us. like, I wouldn't do that to Barry or or something that yeah. I really really love. You got to stop because I, 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 I can mo I can moderate how much attention I'm going to give to someone, and if it's good, I'll give my full attention. I, I always it, it. I've heard the argument a bunch of times with people that are not. They'll say that they're, it's not that they're not fans of somebody like Bjork or Radiohead. They understand, like flat out, like I understand that they're really good at what they do. But I just, it's too upsetting and it takes all of my attention. Like yeah, it's, it's yeah. just, it's easier to listen to, well, I mean, the, the obvious joke with something like Radiohead, like just go ahead and listen to Coldplay because they're not going to upset your day. Radio right. is going to like slap you in the face and make sure that you're paying attention. And I can't do anything else other yeah, than, yeah. than now my day's ruined. Thanks, Radiohead. <laughs> Bjork is just too overwhelming. It's too much to hear. <laughs> and so I think just to steer us back to filming outside as one of the tools in our toolkit now of that to make our videos a richer experience, we can have these studio segments, which are easy to do and allow us to knock out four episodes at a time and then add these outside segments that are, um, you know, a different texture, a different feeling, a different mood. Mm. Um, and you know, show you, show you our real world around you and set us up for interactions with 
other people. So let's segue into oh, no. commentary. And we'll definitely return to that idea. But first, I want to knock out. So, Peter, in the merging of Western Toilet, our music channel with Hello Foreigner, our vlog channel, um, posted three music videos this week, which all kind of just in a lump, some put together. Um, we had How to Get Out of Town. Mm -hmm. And sorry, yeah, I need my. Where are you going? Celebration for a hundred-year-old school. We missed. Where the heck are you going? Where the heck are you going? I missed one. So there's four. There's four. Um and oh come on. And then. Yeah, we, we, what what numbers are we on here? We're talking about those four. Those four, yeah. I wrote down something that we decided we weren't going to talk about. Yeah. So, um, they're they're just um, music videos we had made. A hundred year old school is actually we made that. That's one of our first videos we ever made. Yeah, it was the hundredth anniversary of the school we were teaching at, and that was our the beginning of our second year teaching in China. And so so it's we, 2012. Yeah, yeah, fall of 2012, and so we just. We went out we to the event. It, and it was took barely some video. a camera. It was yeah. a camera. It wasn't a video. Yeah, it was a, a photo. It was a cheap, cheap, cheapo photo camera too. Yeah. Um, and the, but yeah. we had it laying around, and it was such an event. The actual like hundred years. I mean, it was the hundred. Some bizarre. We arrived here, and our our boss told us our first year of like next year's going to be the hundredth year. Like, what does that even mean? And yeah. We, we found old pictures of like. Wise men with beards and like yeah. these ancient photos, ancient a hundred years, but they looked ancient. Of like what our school was, it was like a brick with a stool next to it and mm -hmm. stuff. That and they they invited alumni and like a lot of people. It was a big, big, big deal, and it was like our was first huge. exposure whole... to like the pomp of a Chinese event. Yeah, it was like we went to like. I don't know, Lollapalooza or something. There yeah, was, there was like yeah. crane cameras all over there. Yeah, they hired like professional presenters and, and it was a very big deal. Um, so we filmed it and then originally we just put some Chinese music to it. And then what music did you put to it now? Seasoning. Right. Yeah. Okay. So now now it's an Uncle Foreigner Western Toilet piece. Yeah. And I, I upped the production. Of, yeah. I cleaned it all. It's kind up of a, the so. remaster. Yeah. Um, but you didn't see the old one, so. So it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. And then the other three are are we're just music. okay. So yeah, we're out of we're out of sorts. How how to get out of town is the drive from the center of Lucho out into the countryside. Oh right, right, yeah. Which was just. That's what that is. I think we had just gotten our Sony camcorder. I think so, yeah. And you were bringing it everywhere and filming everything. And so yeah. we we took a taxi ride from the city center out to... We were living out close to the countryside. And so, and so it's, Peter it's, just did a classic out the window. Yeah. The interesting shot. is is that like when we say it's a small... We're, Lujo is a small town of, what, two million last week? really paid any attention yeah, to. Yeah, two million in the city proper. Then that's a small town, but then you think that we were in the city center and we drove out to the countryside in a taxi and it takes six minutes to go 
Yeah. I, I find that the, the interesting part of that video is that it's just this a real time of like, oh look, now we're out with dogs and yeah. <laughs> and trees and stuff. Yeah. Um, so that's all that is. Yeah, and then the other two. Uh, where the heck are you going? That's where we got yelled at by the Chengdu cab driver. I don't remember him yelling at us. Well, you can see it in the video where he's like waving his hand. Oh. We were, I forget we were trying to go. Well, we never usually took a little tuk-tuk. Yeah, because Luzhou doesn't have those tuk-tuks, but yeah. Chengdu does. They're like these little three-wheelers. And it's a bigger city, so it is a little bit more of like, I mean, you, you, a business person, a, a local is probably not going to take them unless they have to or something. So we, Yeah. Uh, for whatever reason, we got in one because we, I think you were... We were having we were a hard time. It was like rush hour and real taxis weren't stopping for us. Yeah, so... That we, I do we remember. took a little guy and we weren't even sure I, if we were trying to go to a concert or something or, or a restaurant. We weren't really sure where it was. Oh, right, And right. so we're, we're cruising through traffic at, at the peak time mm-hmm. and we're trying to tell him where to go and he's just like, what are you doing? <laughs> you can see him yelling yeah, at us. that's right. <laughs> <laughs> and that one Peter did a lot of fun post-production stuff on. Um, and the same with... Akman. Akman, which is... That's more footage of us down by the river. Yeah. Yeah, it was uh, in, in the last video of... Um, of where we're hanging out down by the river by the the new gate and oh yeah but, where, but yeah. The, the the main thing is the the people that go exercising that line of people that just oh that's walk, right that's right yeah they watch our videos sometimes I should. <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> that's right there's um a lot of public exercising people do tai chi in the morning play ping pong in the afternoon and there's the notorious damas who are older women who gather in these groups to do these like choreographed synchronized dances and there's a huge it's a huge noise complaint throughout China. Everybody has but has this a, isn't that though. But this isn't that. It's a kind of an offshoot of that. I and it's a jogging. I have no exercise. information to support this, but my guess is it's a response to people complain because you're in the one area and you set up your radio and it's loud. So they have the line leaders clip radios to their belts and then they all do like a race walk down by the river. And if the sound is moving, you can't call the police on me. I'm leaving. <laughs> that's, well, my, that's my theory, my unsupported theory. Also, it's a, it's a, it's a group run for a, like a nightly jog. Yeah. Um, a, a, whatever that jog walking is. And it's the, an the, impressive it's, amount of people. Well, the, the fun part though is like usually you go jogging with some people it's a race walk it's yeah, yeah it's a race walk but yeah everyone is kind of like in a group and they kind of bundle along and everything but this is you get mama goose with the, the little radio on her hip mm-hmm. and then everyone lines up exactly behind and so oh yeah have, it's a single file line single file line that just keeps going and going and going <laughs> and going and going it's as hilarious music gets farther and farther by. away <laughs> So, yeah, it's that, but then the, the funny part that I like is that as that's happening, I got a clip of just from the side of this child that's just going, <laughs> and so that's the whole joke of that video is just that oh, whole yeah, scenario. Oh, yeah, I remember that video. Yeah, it's great. These videos are just, we put them up a long time ago. Should you watch them again? I should watch them again. Over and over again. Okay, and I will. next. 
So let's, we'll get back into it. Where are your children, right? Yep. Um, so like we said, this, this video, we did a lot of outside shooting. Um, but for commentary, I'd like to talk about a couple of character things that we did. Um, so we had Peter and I sat down to tell the story about Coco. Um, Coco is my personal trainer. Um, and we chat a lot. She's, I realize I talk about her a lot because she's like one of five adults I talk to regularly. <laughs> um, but so we sat down in our apartment complex. There's a, a series of benches, so we took a seat. And then our neighbors rolled up and were really interested in what we were doing. And so they kind of, um, while the cameras were rolling, had a conversation with us, centering a lot around, like, where are your children? Why don't you have children? Um, watch the video. It's good. Um, but so for us, we wanted to show parts of the conversation we were having, but also to like bring it richer is to have a voiceover with some thoughts about like in general of what it's like to have these weirdo conversations with strangers asking you personal information and you're also socially awkward as well. And you're, it's a foreign language. So like all, all these kind of like dissecting on a greater level, like what's conversation for, um, and to write this voiceover, I would say that the Peter was the main vision behind this. And it's an interesting thing that's been happening in the past couple months to set us up. So Peter and I collaborate. Um, but previously, the division of labor has been very strict to, like, Peter does the visuals and I do the words because that those are the skills and the, the training that we have. And in the past couple of months, I feel like we've really kind of opened that up to... If you go back a few videos to environment, I had that idea for um, care for your garments that was a largely visual piece that I kind of, I had something, I had a vision that I didn't know how to execute. So I really like had to direct Peter to do, to make the thing I saw. And so this was Peter's turn. He had an idea in his head that he, how he wanted the tone of the voiceover to be. It was really about the tone. Mm -hmm. Like we both kind of, I kind of got the subject matter pretty much. Mm -hmm. and, the, and then so we worked together. I th and I think this was the most kind of collaborative brainstormy that we've been um, in that like I wrote a draft and then you came in and we wrote some together and like kicked around lines together and even worked them out out loud to figure out like how they went and then like I finalized the draft and then um, and then it was time to record it and again Peter had a really specific vision and the the to get the to nail the tone of the writing we've been watching a lot of The Office uh, the American Office and so Steve uh, Steve Carell as Michael Scott is someone with so much overconfidence that so much confidence that is unearned and so that kind of idea of like someone who's totally committed to something that they haven't really thought through was um, where we went with that the writing and then so having Michael Scott in my head like I started to think of a Michael Scott imitation and Peter's like no 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 that's not how that works. You're not, you can't do that. That's not good. Um, so we really then worked through the voice acting directing um, 
to get to nail this character, which was like a really fun little project to do, I think. Um, and for me, it was like a challenge of, we wanted to make it sound not like I was reading it, and so I really like tapped into when I was in plays in high school and college of like, oh yeah, you can't, if your character, if you are this character, you don't know ahead of time what you're going to say. When we're speaking, we, it's just, even now, like, I don't know really where I'm going with this. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, the thoughts are occurring to you in the moment. You have to be in the moment. And so, like, with a little bit of work, I think I really was able to get there. And part of that was, like, I would say the technique that helped me was to memorize it and then forget it. Um, so then instead of like reciting, and I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America, where it's just like rote coming regurgitation out of you, um, it did, like I had to have real natural pauses because I really was like, if I said this, where's the, where would I go with that? And like, it was a, I, I, it was a cool feeling to like. I have to imagine. I mean, that's the the the, the, the a theater trick. We all like to like talk about uh, Christopher Walken and how he erases punctuation. Oh yeah, yeah. But I'm I I can't imagine he invented that. I, yeah. I'm guessing that's a theater trick that is it takes away the ability to know what you're gonna say next, so that you actually can work your way through a sentence yeah. without just reciting. Yeah. And, I mean, I think that's, like, the very basic acting one-on-one of, yeah. like, your character doesn't know what's on page three, so don't act like you know what's on page <laughs> three. <laughs> Spoiler. <laughs> yeah. yeah. This, uh, again, it's, it's a cliche, but, like, being in the moment is, mm -hmm. um, it makes a difference to how I'm delivering the line, and there was, like, something specific a specific word even that like I was hitting too hard because I knew it was coming and you were like you, you you were you didn't give me line readings but you did you were like you can't say that word like that <laughs> <laughs> and then from the direction side because you I, I really appreciated it because it like I mean, one, it's it's not just all me having the risk. It's your vision, too. Mm -hmm. But it is, like, it's... I like projects that are my projects where I'm in charge, but it's kind of nice to surrender yourself and just be part of someone else's rendering of their vision. Um, and so I, I don't know if you want to say some no, words about... It, that kind of thing, like, reminds me of, like, the difference of being, like, when you're in a band, when mm -hmm. you have... I, like, I have the ability to sit right here behind this computer and play all the instruments and write all the instruments for an entire orchestra if I want but the difference of, of, of being able to say like here I've written an oboe part and I want you to play it and that person to play those and then like hit notes in different ways you, you can be insane about it and say like you know you, you, you're, you're so not hitting the note, or you're hitting the note close enough, or you've done something really transformative with the note, and if you actually get to work with somebody that surprises you, and you're like, oh my god, you know, I wrote that part, and I knew something was missing, 
and it was the magic that is you. Like, yeah. it's it something yeah. that's exciting yeah. to, to do. And I think, back from my perspective of, like, from writing, you can go back over what you wrote and judge it and see what needs to be fixed or changed. But anything that happens in real time, if it's music, if it's voice, if it's even even a performance on video, like, you don't stop and watch each take. So it is, like... I don't know how it's come out, so I do need you to, to watch and tell me, like, oh, you got it, or, like, that didn't work. I would imagine that's probably one of the things that, like, a pet peeve that you hear a lot of directors talk about are the artists, the, the actors that are too big, I don't know, like your Nicholsons or something like that, that mm. give you a one-line reading, and they're like, we got it. You know, yeah, like, I think Brando... Bruce Willis, please <laughs> come back to the set, please. I think Marlon Brando was also very notorious. Yeah. A lot of guys. <laughs> <laughs> Where, yeah, and I, I also understand that of, like, we got it, let's move on, I'm tired of doing right. this, I've felt that, too, during our work, but I think, you know, my, I don't, I'm not experienced enough as an actor to actually confidently say, like, right. we got it, we Wait, got but, it, but do we? Yeah, like, I don't know, I, and it's my face, I want that to look good, I want it to be, right. I want it to be funny, I want it to be entertaining, so that is, I guess, and, I mean, we still usually do a lot of things in one take anyway, Yeah. so it's not, it's not like Peter's driving me to distraction. Yeah, well, part, part of this is, is like, we come out with a lot of content every week, and you still have a job, and we're, we, we want to get cover as much ground as possible so if we painstakingly like well we have to go to acting class to learn how to do this like no like you've got you've got 15 minutes like just give me a line and hopefully we'll, we'll get something in there that's good enough like we're not putting together you know the most amazing piece of film we're, mm -hmm. we're making exercises and trying to do the best we can yeah, so we, yeah we have a certain amount of time that we can do this we can't spend all day and also, being inexperienced as an actor, I don't know that it's going to get better if we do four right. takes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. don't waste time. Yeah, yeah. And don't, like, if it's not going to be fun, why would we yeah, do that's it? Yeah, that's amazing to do, do it. But, and, I, and I think we usually get what we need in the one take. And then occasionally you're like, that didn't, that didn't track, or try it like this, or something. Yeah, I mean, if it's crap, then we, just, we toss it and do something else. Yeah, because actually for the voiceover, we did do, like three different takes per mm -hmm. chunk. And that's part of... Those are technical terms, <laughs> by the way. The, the part of, of, of how to batch those things, of like we've prepared, get all your paperwork ready, get all the, the like, we're going to yeah, sit down, yeah. and we're going to, like, we'll, we'll do it, we'll do it, try to do three times. But, you know, maybe we'll get it right on the first time. Like, mm -hmm. I have to decide, like, at that point of, like, no, you nailed it, forget it, move on. Yeah. Or, no, we got to do it again. Because no, I would say... Again, so. It's a matter of, like, editing on the spot. I, being more insecure about a, a skill that's new to me, um, I would be the one to want more takes. Mm. Um, but if you say we've got it, I trust you. And then as, as someone, yeah, with conflicting desires, I want this to be done versus I want this to look good. Well, I think that's um, a, a big problem that, that people have, especially with something like YouTube or... Um, anything where you're going to work by yourself, uh, mm. you, you can sit there and, and write the most perfect album ever by yourself behind a computer and keep saying that like, it's going to come out someday. Like I just, I'm gonna, I'm working on some masters. I got to kind of go back and maybe do a couple of vocal overdubs. And next thing you know, it's like 
it's Chinese democracy and you're Axl Rose 20 years later, like <laughs> going like, I promise to come out with the greatest album yeah, ever. Yeah. And at some point, you know, people have forgotten, don't care or never cared to begin with. Mm -hmm. And you're just sitting on something going like, I'm going to come up with a masterpiece one day. You wait and you'll see. Yeah, like, yeah. No one cares. Um, and then as another example of that from this very same episode is that I wrote the complaint and Peter during mm -hmm. the week and came to me with like, okay, I think I know the voice, which was great because I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do for this, <laughs> assuming that I would read it. And my voice in my head when I wrote it was much different than what Peter came up with, which can you talk about what you told me about the visuals? Oh, uh, I'm guessing people haven't watched the video, but let's hope that they have. Yeah. I mean, this, this is the commentary <laughs> track. Go so, watch the video. Yeah. Uh, and then come back. Yeah. The, um, so you had, what was your idea for the... So it was, we, this, we just started the, so we've had the complaint as part of our video for a while. And then the complaint was me reading fake people's complaints. And then it was Peter reading fake people's complaints. And then this very particular. week, we started it as inanimate objects. And this one was our kitchen broom, our short kitchen broom. And your idea for it, what, what were you going to make? Who's the character that you Oh, my, my conception of that was like a, a over-polite, possibly British, too polite to complain, but really suffering. And, oh, excuse me, I do have to say something. Right. Um, and, and, and you had named it Short, short Kitchen, kitchen Broom. Yeah. yeah, so my idea was, I didn't even think about because I didn't know that that's what the viewer, you had planned for, but Short Kitchen, kitchen Broom... It's a short guy with a broom mustache, so it's a, of course it's just a little regular guy. <laughs> so it, it just made more sense to me. And by the time I actually did it, you're like, oh, oh duh. I'm yeah, not. yeah. But completely a different character. Yeah, and I like I like that you were able to connect it to the visual of what was going on. Like, oh yeah, that, of course that's what our broom sounds like. <laughs> um, so I was really pleased with that, and that's that's the magical oboe that Peter brought to <laughs> the magical to that sauce. Well, yeah, um, I think something like that, it helps with a lot of times uh, if you listen to a lot of the great uh, animators um, and voiceovers of Carl Stalling's world of Mel Blanc and, and that world of cartoons that the animators and the voiceovers and the music all work together so closely that by the time you look at what the character is supposed to be doing. Sometimes the voice even comes first, or you've got a character of what they look like, and that visual aspect of, like, it, it, the, the design of the character is even before the writing. of Like, it's supposed to be this kind of character. Like, well, no, but I drew this. Mm -hmm. So the broom looks like this. Like, that that's not an austere broom. Like, <laughs> it, it, it's going to speak... With yeah. a mustache like that way. So it's a, from a cartoonist point of view. Which I really enjoyed. Um, and Thanks. I <laughs> just want to wrap up this discussion to go back to what we were talking about, about filming outside. So we the, the through line of this week's episode is the outdoor interview where our neighbors asked us about our lives. Um, which, when we went out that day, we didn't know was going to happen. But... We had hoped something like that might happen. And that's the payoff of what we were talking about 
a couple weeks ago of this intense planning that we do of all the other segments are tightly scripted and tightly planned out and like you know our board is very specific about like this episode contains this and has room here for a little bit of that um cinema verite random random caught on camera magic and i think it really again best episode so far we keep making them <laughs> but it like we can have off of an, an entire serendipitous accident um the basis of an episode and uh, as i think as a way of working that's um it's fun and it, it indulges it indulges my need for control but my delight in surprise um and i think it kind of gives us a structure that no one else has. I haven't seen it, and I've looked all over YouTube. Um, so uh, it's exciting to work that way, and, and we just, we'll talk more next week about what we just filmed today at, at, at the haircut. But again, mm -hmm. it was something like we have this, this, and this planned, and the backbone, well, we'll find it outside somewhere. Mm. Um, and not, not to say, like, if we ever have to stretch something, that's not right. But we can set ourselves up for these um, these pieces that we couldn't anticipate because we have the organization and otherwise structure to accommodate like um, the the magic of surprise. <laughs> I don't know. Well, <laughs> you know what I'm saying, right? There, there's definitely a tradition of of uh, particularly from a director standpoint of. Uh, Keeping your uh, some people uh, they they've written exactly what it, it it is and it needs to be because they have scripted storyboards of like and they you probably spend a lot of money to get a scene looking mm, like yeah, a scene yeah yeah you can't really play around with that but particularly when you're de dealing with scenarios that are are more real mm -hmm. then you as a director should probably have your eyes open. To be ready for whatever happens. If, if this actor like surprises you again, the magical oboe just pops mm -hmm. out of nowhere. If yeah, you, if you yeah. can nail that, if you can capture that, I hope the cameras were rolling. Yeah, kind of thing. Then you've got something that you didn't expect, and if you can make that work, then you've really got something that no one. When they when yeah. you finally sit down and and to to watch the movie as a <laughs> as a viewer, it takes you someplace that like. This isn't what I expected this movie to do, and everyone is just you know pleased yeah, with something yeah. that wasn't expected to happen. Yeah, it's, it's you can be prepared, but you can't plan for that. Yeah. and I think that's that's the area where we're exploring right now. Like without a net, and it's very exciting. Um, but let's bring it home with our watch it. Watch it. Watch it. Watch it. Watch it. Our Watch It This Week is another fellow YouTuber, John Scoville, whose channel is just his name, right? Yep. Um, and he does little comedy skits and music. Am I right? Yeah, pretty much, yeah. Um, uh, it's, a, it's a nice blend of, of turning, turning everyday life music and scenarios into... I don't know, uh, uh, mundane things into fantastical. 
Yeah, I, and I think like his comedy skits, he's a very low-key personality. Um, anxiety comedy? Is that a thing? That, that, <laughs> I feel like that's 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 an area I enjoy and that we're actually pursuing ourselves as well. So I like I like to see what he's doing with um, the world. The world is too much, but I'm going to try anyway. <laughs> yeah. um, he has the, the Going Outside series. Yeah, we what, don't, John goes outside. Yeah, and it's very again, it's it's the evolution of the anti comedy that we were talking about last week. I think mm -hmm. um, where it is maybe more in the vein of a Joe Para of like I'm not being cynical about not making you laugh. I'm being genuine and and hoping that you enjoy that. If that's not too high-minded for what it's like, it's a very silly bit. It's well, really the, the reason the what um, I first saw that uh, attracted me to his channel was simply got a new hat. I highly recommend. Oh yeah, that was a good one. That was a good. <laughs> and one. it's just a little song that he made about he's got a new hat and he tells us not even anything about the hat, but he's yeah. just got a new hat. Yeah, and then his music is it's not. Um, those aren't jokes. That's not comedy. It's it's. Real. Although sometimes he's he's I see his label his new album, which is why we're here to talk yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, as in comedy too. So. Um, so maybe maybe, but I, it, it is. It's not comedy in like Weird Al. Yeah, yeah. Like it, it, obvious it, jokes. Right, but it but I mean, has, his comedy is not obvious a, jokes. So. Well, listen. We just had the 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 first right before the filming this. We listened to his new album, which is titled Plastovision. Mm. Um, so we only listened to it once and only partially. And but we, we really love what we hear so far. Yeah. It's good. There's, there, there's um, an aspect to it that seems to be somewhere, I don't know, like I hear like um, John Lurie lounge lizards mm -hmm. mixed with like pavement or something. Yeah, and yeah. And like the talking head. So like there is a sense of like, um, like it's not quite as overt as something like they might be giants, like mm -hmm. where it's it's kind of novelty, but there's that's a sense the of, word I was looking right, for, yeah. but there's a sense of humor to it that's also academically really fascinating. Um, I, I think he's a music student. I'm not. I'm not exactly mm. sure, but yeah, he's a younger younger guy. Yeah, um, um, but there's but he carries that over into this film stuff too. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so that's well, that's a recommendation for John Scoville. Get out there, watch it. Um, but I'm, I'm getting tired. It was a hot day and we did a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so that's it. That's it? That's it. That's it? I'm supposed to find the button that says... Hit the button, Frank. Closing. That's not closing. I'm having button problems. Uh -huh. There we go.